Hi, my name is John. And my name's Chris. And, and this, this is Stay on, on Target. Hey, everybody, welcome to Stay on Target. We're your hosts. You can find us online at stayontargetpodcast.com. That's right, John. This is episode 157. 158. Dang it, man. Oh, That's yeah. That's the first time that I've messed up in like. I don't know. I would say a couple months. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the, I think it's because we had a conversation where I was confused earlier yeah. whether it was 156 or or 157 yeah, last week. You did, and then I just set you off on this path of yes. gonna, you're going to be wrong. That's exactly what happened. I, I, yep. <laughs> I nailed it. Mm-hmm. So this week on the show, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Chris. We do. We've got some news. We've got some some sad things to talk about. Um, That's the pick of the week. Yeah, we do. But what have you been up to this oh, man. week? So uh, this week, I've uh, done a lot of traveling, and so yeah. um, I downloaded the game you told me to download last week. Pocket Card Jockey? Uh-huh. John. Yeah. This game is really hard. It's hard? What are you talking about? I haven't won. I think I won maybe my first, like, four races. What? And now I haven't won a race in about ten races. So, so much so that like they're all the characters in the game are really upset with me. Oh man, that's no good. And uh, I don't know what to do, man. I don't know. Maybe I was just really good at it right away, <laughs> but like I was winning so many races, and I did I did get to a moment where like my horse had pretty much like reached its potential, and they kept like trying to move me into these other other things. And it's like, well, but I think your horse can run like a, a three mile race, and it's but it's really a short distance race, and I'm like, that's not a short race. Anyway, um. But I just had to like retire that horse away mm. and and send it to the farm mm. and uh, awaiting you know potential other friends to make at the farm and move on to another horse. So I it's see. like I think whenever I started losing, I, I kind of had to move on pretty quickly. I'm there. still on my first horse. That's insane. And Chris. I don't know how to get more horses. It's insane. I think I have to actually win races to get more horses. You might have to. Yeah. Anyway, it's not good. <laughs> no, it's not good. So I don't know. I don't know about your recommendation. <laughs> I am almost to the point where I'm going to quit. You you might need to. I don't know. I, like, <laughs> it, it's one of those things. Like after uh, after the initial like tons of time just pouring into it that weekend. Yeah. Like this week, I, I was just like, well, I could play that, or I could play this other thing. I could just n- yeah. knock out some more like Batman Arkham Arkham uh, Knight. Yeah. And, uh, and and so I've just chosen to do other games. We so. forgot to talk about that song we were listening to. Ah, so the song <laughs> that we were listening to, just right off the bat. Um, I, so I, we were just talking before the podcast and we yeah. were listening to that song, which is by big gigantic. It's, uh-huh. an, it's an awesome, uh, awesome new single of theirs. It is called the little things. Um, and, uh, anyway, so we were talking and I was like talking to you about, I've been playing some Forza horizon Two, And I mentioned, I think I mentioned it like last week or the week before, yeah. but I've been t- trying to like chip away at that game and, and to play that one. It's such a fun game. And there are some achievements that I really like they're achievable. I'm, they're close to them and I want to get them on that game. But the one thing I said, the one thing I always think in that game is there's only one thing that could make this game better. Yeah. And that is the big gigantic. If, if big gigantic would like have a song or two or three or a dozen on that game, and mm. I'm just playing along racing, and all of a sudden that song drops, mm. I'm in. So at Playground Games, make it happen. Yes. I uh, it, for Forza Horizon Three, which hopefully, um, if they they go by the the last four years or so, it's been taking a year where it's oh Forza Motorsport 
whatever number. So Forza, Forza 4, Forza Motorsport 4. Yeah. Then they did Forza Horizon. And then Forza Motorsport 5. And then Forza Horizon 2. And so it is Forza Horizon's turn. It's Playground Games' turn to, to put out a game. So if you're doing Forza Horizon 3, put Big Gigantic in that soundtrack. Yes. That would be amazing. Yes. Some more things that we, I agree with that, by the way. <laughs> Some more things I've been up to this week. Uh, so, like, that was a 3DS game. The What is it called? Pocket Card Jockey. Yeah, Pocket Card Jockey. It's a 3DS game. Uh, I also uh, downloaded um, Ocarina of Time. Nice. I've never played through Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Really enjoying it. The 3D on this game is pretty terrible. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, like so, like I thought for a second, I was like, "Well, maybe my 3DS is just like not tracking my eyes right, mm. or maybe it's like not calibrated correctly." And so, like I backed out, went into like the calibration, and all because oh, everything see, it looks fine, even yeah. on the menus, everything looks fine. Yeah. I get back into the game, and it looks wonky, like to where like if I close one of my eyes, I see a shadow of oh. like the things that are really close to my face, and that's not supposed to happen in 3D. No, are With, you? Are, do you think that maybe they tried to make it too deep? Like the 3D is like standing out from the screen too much and going too deep into the screen. Like is is the is the the threshold too wide? I mean, at times, yeah, I feel like it's like it's it's too to uh to 3d but like that's not the problem because even over i like decrease the 3d so it's like just the first setting of 3d like you mm. can still see the shadow of other things whenever i have one eye closed mm. like you should only see one thing with each yeah. eye you know so right right what i end up seeing is like this thing with like two shadows to it because both my eyes are seeing a shadow yeah and so and you couldn't get the slider to work out no, right no, either. The, yeah the, yeah the slider's not helping so at all yeah it's, it's really weird so i don't know i like i might just play that in 2d either way it's a fun game yeah. Um, so I've been playing through that. Uh, also, uh, man, last week's Game of Thrones episode, John. Good. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like so the thing, the interesting thing with this season is that, um, so far, like this might be my favorite season. Mm-hmm. Like things are moving a little bit faster and I don't know, like this is my theory is so now that we're like, we're past all of the source material, like George right. R. R. Martin hasn't written this stuff in a book form yet. Right. Like. They don't really have his long-winded conversations to put into the show. Yeah. And so they, they're just kind of like bypassing just, everything. Yeah, they just have the main plot points. And so it's like, well, let's just do this like <laughs> we would do a do normal it. television show right. or a normal movie. Right. And like, let's just like train to all, like just build up to all these big moments yeah. and uh, and not, you know, spend time in between, that sort of thing. So Interesting. the, like the, cre- or the, the writers said that they had, uh, they have like, I think they said between 10 and 15 episodes left. So like if we're supposed to get two more seasons of it, so either they're going to be really truncated short seasons, five episodes per season. Right. Or, um, or maybe like whenever they finally get to it, they'll expand it a little, who knows. Yeah. But you know, that, like that again, it just shows me like, okay, yeah. Like at this point, they're just like, we're just, we just, we're, this is just going to finish. And, and that, which yeah. I'm okay with, like, I feel like TV shows actually kind of do that a little bit. Uh, like for instance, Battlestar Galactica, you know, like yeah. you got to the last season, it just ramped up to the end. Now they were trying to get done so they didn't get canceled or something like that. Right. But, like I don't mind TV shows ramping up and going really fast toward the end of a series. Right. That's usually like what happens. Like there's a lot of time in the middle of a series whenever it's like reached its peak in popularity and stuff to where they can expand on things and they can do like side offshoot episodes and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then near the end, like you said, with ratings, a lot of times, like, ratings are, like, plateaued a little bit, and they're like, okay, so we probably should make some major ground on the story, that sort of thing, but yeah. uh, but this show is not 
not not like that. It's definitely got a beginning and an end of the story. Right. And it's like there's not anything beyond that. Yeah. And so it's like not like this is a ratings enforced kind of uh kind of you know rush, I guess. But I just think like in general books that are adapted or or uh I guess other material that's adapted to like TV and film mm-hmm. um tends to be a little bit more like spread out like things are a little bit like they they take the last book of uh of harry potter and make it two movies so they yeah. take the last book or whatever and they make it this whereas if you were just to make that story in the form of a television show or a film it probably would be a little bit smaller a little bit you know a little bit Maybe. more compact. i don't know like i don't know oh i mean you th- i think about like I guess lost. I, I think, think it'll be, I think it'll be longer. You know, yeah, like, maybe. Like I, that's why I think books fit TV shows better than movies. True. A lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, because you can actually take the time. Like for instance, um, I was having this conversation with Cody Moffat. He's been on the podcast before. Yeah. If I watch a movie first, and then it's an interesting enough story, and then read the book, I don't feel like either one of them uh, was done poorly okay but if i do it the other way around there's not like one where you're like oh it's clearly better than the book right clearly better than the than the uh show but whenever i do it the other way around and i read the book before i watch the movie most of the time i was like yeah that movie was not good yeah and i i think it's because like we were talking about it whenever you're reading a book you spend you know 15 20 hours with these characters get really invested with them and you get like stuck in your mind like how they act and how they react and what yeah. they look like and all this kind of kind of stuff whereas with a movie you only spend a couple hours with it and so you know if you come at that first it's like well you've only spent you've only had 2 hours to establish what you think this character should be right. versus 20 hours with the book and, right. and so whenever you know you reverse it it's like man you just spent so much time with them but in that case you know i, I feel like a TV show is more like a book. It's long form storytelling. Right. You can get down into nitty gritty conversations that on the longer large scale of things don't really matter. Right. And you can have like an episode that just doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but it's a just a cool character building thing. Yeah, I mean it means something, but not in the terms of like this has ramifications on the whole universe or something. Right. You know, it like it helps you like analyze this one character. Yeah. And uh, in that sense, I feel like, you know, books and TV shows are more like each other. I think where where the TV shows kind of fall short is where they have a lot smaller budgets than movies, and True. so you know in a book you can make things happen, um, all every other chapter or whatever right. that would cost way too much money to put in a TV show. Right, and also like with with books, you know, you can you can get into people's heads and you, you see like a different a different side of it, and I feel like with television you can also see like these those sides in other ways. Yeah. You know, you can you can. Um, have longer shots and sort of things. But what you're saying, Chris, is that the adaptation of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit mm. movies to film mm-hmm. is one of your favorite adaptations from book to film because it was just lots, plenty of time to tell that. I didn't say that specifically, but yeah, like I think if you have time, I mean, I'm not opposed <laughs> to the divide the last book into yeah. two movies kind of thing is what, yeah. the, what spurred this conversation. Right. Because I think that that, like honestly, for instance, the last two Hunger Games. Yeah, those two movies. So good. Way better than the last book. Yeah. And I read the book first. Yeah. And so you would think that I would think it was worse, but no, way better than the last right. book. Right. Right. No, I totally agree. And then also, you know, with with 
big series is like that where they oh, they divide the last book or whatever. It's just more time with that character. Like I'm yeah. not opposed to it. Lots of people are cynical about it. Or, oh, they just want to make more money about it. But it's like I just want to see those characters more. Like whenever they divided the last uh, Harry Potter book into two books, I was like, man, I just give me a, another movie with those characters and, and mm-hmm. in that world, and I'm good. Which um, I'm super excited for this November whenever uh, Fantastic yeah. Beasts and Where to Find Them yeah. comes out, dude. I'm so excited for that movie. I also finally read the C-3PO one-shot. Yeah? And you I find out what happens to the arm, how the red arm came into existence? Yep. Yeah. Do you want to know? I do want to know, Chris. All right, so. This has been a burning question in my mind. It's been burning as bright red as his arm. It's it's a lot less consequential than you would think. <laughs> oh, Chris, I didn't think it was that <laughs> consequential. <laughs> so... Uh, you start off and C-3PO, uh, is on this ship that crash lands on the, on a planet. And basically the humans, the humans are like, don't survive, but the, him and like five other droids do. And they're escorting this, um, droid that worked for the first order back to the resistance to tell them the location of, um, who are they telling the location of? Anyway, the location of somebody that they're trying to find. Some important thing. An important person, yes. Yes. Um, Admiral Akbar. Admiral Akbar has been kidnapped. That's, That's what awesome. it was. Well, it turns out this planet is just like infested with all these horrors, like big octopus looking things that tear people apart Dude. and like giant flying things that come down and take like so they, it sounds they, so much like like so many of of c-3po's <laughs> stories in like clone wars and stuff <laughs> like that that I, it's just it's, it's so exciting i love that uh and and all these crazy things start happening while they're trying to reach this like uh it's a uh first order um a tie fighter that's crash landed here. It has a, a rescue beacon. They're trying to reach that so that they can send for help. Well, this droid who is basically, he's a, he's a protocol droid, just like C-3PO. Um, he worked for the first order, but he has these like conflicting things where he's like, why, you know, like, you know, we are enemies, but only because we've been programmed to and all this other kind of stuff. You think that he's like trying to get C-3PO to join his side. Well, in the end, these are spoilers for this comic, but in the end, he ends up deciding, you know, like, I'm going to choose choose my own path and choose friendship with C-3PO over my quote-unquote programming. Nice. And so they get to this, uh, They the entire time they've been trying to get to this beacon before these storm clouds reach them because they're like, we don't know, like, this could be damaging. And it starts raining, but it's raining acid. Oh, no! It's not raining water. Of course. And... Um, if they go out into it, it's going to melt them. Um, it actually uh, it melts part of uh, C-3PO's arm, oh. like his left arm. This droid start like sa- you know transfers the coordinates of Admiral Akbar to C-3PO and says um, basically like I'm choosing friendship over the- over my programming. And then he goes out to the the Tie Fighter to change the beacon over to resistance frequencies so that Poe will come and rescue him. And he, as he's coming back, trying to get back undercover with C-3PO, he, like, collapses and the acid destroys him and all this kind of stuff. Except for his arm. It's red because he had red primer underneath his coat of black paint. Awesome. And C-3PO picks it up and puts it on, and basically he wants it to serve as a reminder, for at least for the time being, about uh, his friendship with this droid. That's awesome. 
That's actually really cool. That's way better than I was anticipating it being, Chris. <laughs> I mean, it was cool. It was it was like it was kind of emotional. I was like, this is I thought it would be like you know way more like you know Darth Vader cut it off or you know, well Darth Vader's not around anymore. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> something. something. <laughs> Darth Vader returned from the dead and cuts off his. No, yeah. I I uh, I anticipated it being something like that, but I didn't anticipate it like having the emotional weight or or like right. that uh, deep of a storytelling thing. I thought it was literally just gonna be like a throwaway kind of like oh and i wrecked and they put it on a red arm and i didn't want the red arm but they put it on anyway but no that makes a lot of sense in a very cool very cool way what i don't want an emotional journey here chris what i don't understand about it is is why it took so long for this comment to come out because it was supposed to come out before the force awakens way back in like uh september i know it was october right and it never came out and then it got delayed and delayed and delayed and finally came out in may here and it's just like to coincide, obviously, Chris, with the the Blu-ray release of the film. Sure, or not even no, like it was no, a couple it, weeks later. Like the, it just didn't make any sense because it's like, the I thought it would have something like some kind of spoiler for the Force Awakens, like so, like that's why it was delayed or something. Yeah, you know, like you would think for sure, like Kylo Ren shows up and cuts it off or something. I mean, I guess maybe it, like it lets you know that yeah, Kylo Ren, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it lets you know that like Admiral Ackbar is still around, you know, but. Yeah. I mean, and Poe's in it, but like, who cares? But like, if it was spoiler related rather than maybe like a, uh, a printing type of a situation or like just a timeline for shipping or something like crazy like that, which you wouldn't anticipate because Marvel is a comic book yeah, company. Uh, the only thing it, I can think of is like they just didn't have it like created yet. Have it, didn't have it done or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and like, that's the only thing that I was thinking is like, it's gotta be some sort of a, a, okay, well we're not quite done with it yet. Um, but yeah, it's weird that it was, it was anticipated then and then that it's coming out so late, but Chris, hmm. you've been raving, literally raving about the Darth Vader comics. Oh the man. The last one came out, uh, like in that mini series, like last week. Have you read it? Is 25 out already? I don't, I think don't it know. Is. No, it's ending. Well, they announced that it's ending with 25. Okay. I haven't read the, I haven't read the, the latest, oh, uh, man. couple, I think. So I can't wait for that to finish so I can grab it all in like a graphic novel form. Yeah. Super pumped. I was thinking about that. Like, I don't know. Like there was, um, I always struggle with this with comics because like I have a, I have a bunch of comics sitting at home. Right. Um, and I'm like, it's really hard to go find the stories I want what if I just like took these in, traded them in and tried to get and got, and got the, uh, the trade paperback with them. Right. So I've thought about that. Yeah. Um, a lot actually. Cause I'm like, that would take a way less space. Right. I could just like read the stories I want to read many times, Chris, it's uh, they have the variant covers in the back of them. Yeah, and so like that's appealing to me because I love the variant covers, and it's like sometimes I'll see a cover and be like, well, I love the main cover and I love the variant cover, and so I would pick up both. Yeah. But it's like in like the trades, like the trade like uh, hardbacks or trade paperbacks. Many times, all of the that art, all of that stuff is included mm-hmm. along with some extras. You know, mm-hmm. there's uh, I picked up on Free Comic Book Day. I picked up the first volume of uh, Gotham Academy. I'd been reading that one. Uh, I just hadn't like finished out the whole first run of it, the whole whole first volume or whatever. And I picked up the trade paperback, and it's got like a script in the back, and it's got like concept art of like where they started with these characters. It's got a bunch of extras that you wouldn't have gotten in the uh, individual issues. Yeah. And so I'm just like, man, I'm right there with you. Where it's like, I love the idea of of these collected editions. Um, but I also love the idea of picking up the individual comics because so many times, like a comic, uh, if it doesn't sell well in comic form, yeah, 
it gets dropped like you know so if it's on it's like if it's one of those verge comics it's like i'm trying to figure out about picking it up in like on the individual things to show people hey i want to buy this comic i want to support it month to month but some of the biggest bigger comics it's like i'm waiting for some of them to come out in the graphic novel form so yeah um something i've been doing this week chris this Mm. weekend specifically after our show last week, we talked about the Disney Infinity, talked about the cancellation of the game, the closing of the studio, that sort of yeah. thing. I picked up a bunch of uh, Disney Infinity figures. I think I've like over doubled our collection of Disney Infinity figures. Were they on sale? Um, yeah, a few different places. Like they were. Why is this watch going off? There were sales that were happening um, already, like before this was all announced. Mm. And so I took advantage of a lot of those. There was like a, a, a 75% off uh, Target coupon on on what is it called cartwheel app cartwheel yeah um and so i got like a 15 dollar uh hulk figure for like three bucks uh-huh. it was amazing and then uh there at toys r us there was like a, what where'd you get the thing for three bucks uh, that was at the the target it was so like it was like four dollars oh, i think like which target did you go to where they I went left? down to i went to all of them uh basically that was where i hit first because it was the cheapest where i was like okay so if if they have any of the 1.0 2.0 i'm gonna pick them up there yeah and so i went over uh to the one just south of town like just south of here on the one in brentwood the one in uh franklin went down to the one in murfreesboro yeah went to the one in smyrna yeah um and basically none of them had any except for this uh, it was that was in franklin i think was the uh the hulk when it was the last 2.0 figure that they had um so i picked it up so if i tried to go pick some up they're not gonna have probably any. not gonna have any um a lot of the targets were kind of picked over of of uh disney infinity ones and twos yeah uh, which were the ones on sale um i picked up some 3.0 stuff because there were some nice sales uh on at best buy like there was uh they were like nine dollars or something at best buy yeah um for the the newer figures that's not bad which is really not bad no it's like uh that's that's maybe 25 percent off or so yeah um and i picked up at toys r us uh picked up some for two for 12 basically um there's some two for 12 stuff where there. was that at toys r us um okay. and then if you go to there also the, the newer ones are for percent off and so there's some really good deals that you can find out there right now um i basically collected all the ones that i have been wanting which was mainly like stitch and donald and some of the uh like loki some of the the marvel characters um and now i'm waiting for the deep discounts chris i'm just sitting around waiting for these these figures the star wars ones especially to go to five dollars each or something like that something crazy and then i'm just gonna try to pick up a bunch of them so um it's just but it's just sad it's been a challenge we were in toys r us last night picking up some and there was a family that came in and the kids like were in, in the aisle and uh, uh, the girl like looked over at me and Catherine and she says, do you guys like Disney infinity too? And we're like, yeah, we like Disney infinity. And, and do you like, do you play Disney infinity? She's like, yeah, I love it. It's my favorite game. Oh man. And it's like, my heart just broke a little bit. <laughs> I was like, no, no. <laughs> Anyway, so that's uh, that's that's part of what I've been up to this weekend was just kind of like trying to figure out where those would be, pick up the characters I really, really definitely wanted, and then uh, now it's the waiting game. I I need to get on finding these figures. I, like, so I, I was part of the conversation when we were talking about like uh, I actually think I sent you the thing about the cartwheel app. Yes, you, you know? did. And um, but I was going out of town this weekend and I couldn't take part in the Disney Infinity figure buying. So what I should have done that day was immediately whenever you texted me that I should have headed out, but I was like working and so yeah. I couldn't. And so didn't get to it that day. Didn't even get to the next night. It was like, it was literally like Saturday before oh, I man. got to it. And so it was like, man, 
I, I just feel like a lot of people probably picked it over by the time I was able to get out there and uh, and look for it. So at Target, you at mean? Target specifically, yeah. yeah. Toys R Us has a huge selection usually. Oh yeah, like they had a ton and, and they're good prices. Like I said, you know, it's forty percent off on the new figures and and two for twelve for the, some of the old figures and stuff, um, which they have a pretty pretty big selection of things. So I was yeah. I was happy. Got Phineas and uh, and Perry uh, from Phineas and Ferb, and got quite a lot of other ones as well. So. I thought you already had Perry. No, I didn't have. I already have Perry. I have these guys, these little, these little figures. But I just—that's oh. probably like my favorite. Did, show. did you have any any uh, Phineas and Ferb Disney Infinity? No, I hadn't. What? Until this weekend, I picked up Phineas in one place and then Ferb another. Here's a fun tip. Yeah. So we were at Walmart and we wanted, we were looking for Stitch, right? An uh-huh. individual Stitch figure, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't find him anywhere. Yeah. We go to Walmart and they have Disney Infinity 2.0 boxes, right? And it's it's not the uh, not the one with the uh, Marvel playset. It's just the one that's like basically just the toy box and, yeah. and the uh, the portal and the game. So I had the portal, the game, and it had Stitch and it had uh, Merida from uh, Brave in really? it. Yeah. And so there's this box. Right? It was just the portal. Just the portal. No game inside. Just has the game. Yeah. Portal and game. Oh, okay. And it has two figures. Okay. But no like playset or anything like that. No yeah. no special thing. It's yeah. just just the online content. Yeah. Anyway, so. That that box, right? So uh-huh. two figures, portal, game uh-huh. on sale, ten bucks. What? Which is that's more less than one figure. Exactly. So basically, we bought the thing. Where we was already, that at? We already have. That was Walmart. Oh, we already had the portal. Um, we already had the uh, the game. Um, but this actually has two figures. So but which, which game was that? That it wasn't two point so you didn't have so that I didn't one. have the game. You're right. You're right. So you got a you got two point now. Yeah, you're right. So I can uh, as long as I have the little play set pieces, then yeah. I can play all those uh, the Marvel thing and everything. That'd be great. But anyway, so that was that's a pro tip. Check and make sure that those aren't on super sale like that, where it's cheaper than one figure was. So like going and hitting up a bunch of uh, stores today. You should. You should. And in fact, like for that one, they had a ton of the uh, a ton uh, at our Walmart. They had a ton of the um, PlayStation Four bundles. They only had one Xbox One bundle uh, with Stitch and Merida in it, and so we picked that guy up. It was super awesome. So basically, for the price of what we would have paid for one Stitch, we got. 2.0, Disney Infinity 2.0 of the game, and then we got uh, the Merida figure, which are all just super awesome looking figures, dude. So fun. That's awesome. Cool. Anyway, that's my weekend. So, Chris, we've got some picks of the week. We do. But first, the news! The news, the news Chris. Yes. So, we've got some movie news, and we've got some game news. Which do you want to start off with, Chris? Um, let's start with the movie news. So the movie news, this is, uh, something you showed me just before the podcast, mm. the pop star trailer, Yes, which looks really funny. Yes. Uh, it's, uh, Andy Sandberg, um, and from, from Lonely Island and SNL and, uh, well, it's the rest of the Lonely Island gang too. Well, it's, it's all of them. Yeah. So, so basically this is like Lonely Island to the movie basically. Yes. Um, and so I'm super excited about it. It looks really funny, Chris. It does look really funny. We'll put the, the trailer at StandTargetPodcast.com. That's exciting. Another movie slash game yep. uh, news po- item here. We've actually got the Assassin's Creed trailer mm-hmm. finally drops, Chris. Yep. And it looks way better than I thought it would. Me too, dude. I was really worried about this. Like, and I'm not, not worried and like, oh man, the world's going to come to an end. Chris like, loses sleep no. over the Assassin's Creed uh, franchise. Oh yeah, that has not happened. You but lay awake at night, going, "Oh man, I hope that." Movie. There's a lot of different ways that this movie could could have gone, and it went in the direction that I think it should have, and that is like it looks really realistic. Um, 
uh, they've actually taken time to like make it look and feel like Assassin's Creed. Like, if this can succeed, like we're gonna have to, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have two different movie movies that are based on video games this year. Actually, three, Chris. What's the third one? Angry Birds, the movie. Oh my gosh! Which like broke okay. records for like a kids' movie in May or something. Okay. We're not gonna review that one. Sorry. No. Oh, it's already done, Chris. It's already <laughs> over. But I we- bet you there's gonna be a bit like there's gonna be a sequel, and there's probably gonna be like a series of the Angry Birds movies, and there's gonna be like an animated universe or something. I feel like there's just they're gonna try to do a world building thing with the Angry Birds franchise. That's disgusting. Which feels like it's a few years too late, but continue. That's just gross. I'm never going to watch any of those movies. I'm just going to declare right now. It didn't seem like it was interesting to me, so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe but, if or, it's on one day, like just just happens to be there or on Netflix, maybe I'll check it out. Oh, gosh, please. Just I don't, don't tell me if you do that. Uh, Warcraft, World of Warcraft is the first one. That's right. That comes out soon. And then Assassin's Creed. I, my gut is telling me we're going to have two completely different experiences with these two movies. But we'll see. We're going to review both of them on the podcast. We'll let you know how they are. And, yeah, we'll go from there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, just definitely more excited about it than I was. Because, like, before I was just, like, writing it off. as like, oh, it's just, well, it's not going to be right. very good. But now, it, after I mean, the trailer, I'm like, hey, it looks pretty good. It's Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I like and Michael I love Fassbender. My, yeah, I love Michael Fassbender. He's a, he's a great actor. And I think that uh, it looks like the story. Uh, the thing is, like, the... This is the problem. Let, let me let me lay out the problem real fast. Okay. okay. The my problem with Assassin's Creed has never been the setting or the storyline. It's always been the gameplay and how repetitive it is, or how unwieldy the controls are, or just how boring it is. You know, <laughs> like like you're just following someone. Well, yeah, like well, for entire sections of the game. No, it's not the following. Like yes, I don't. I th- that happens. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the following someone. Mm. What I mind is if I accidentally. Like bump into someone in the street and they say, "Hey, what are you doing?" And then it blows my cover, and I have to reset and play the past ten minutes over Ugh. again Ugh, that's several times. That's so frustrating. Yeah. So, like, hopefully that won't happen in this movie. And if it can, <laughs> if it can, you bump into the person next to you, and they just like start the movie over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reaching for my popcorn, <laughs> and they notice, oh, there's audience members here, and I start the movie over. Someone's again. crunching popcorn. <laughs> if they can nail the. The, the story and the characters and the vibe and the look and the feel and tone, like that's all the things that make up a movie. And so right. I think that uh, it can turn out really, really good if they nail all those things. Yeah. Um, other movie news Warner Brothers has restructured following some feedback from the Batman versus Superman movies. Yes. So Warner Brothers is uh, putting together. A dedicated film division, nice. That is going to be co-run by DC Comics Chief Creative Officer Jeff Johns, along with uh, Warner Brothers current uh, executive VP John Berg. Nice. Yeah, this is exciting, um, and it it brings more hope to the future of the DC Cinematic Universe. Basically, in yeah. my mind, um, Jeff Johns has done a really good job. He's worked a lot with. Uh, with the Flash and Arrow TV shows, and like those are done really well with the DC universe, and so this is this is bringing a little bit more hope. Where I think both of us before and even you know leading up into um, Batman versus Superman, 
the we were skeptical of the creators of that movie, and I was I was I was afraid that we were handing the entirety of the DC universe to uh, David Goyer and uh, Zack, Snyder. Zack Snyder. So. Yeah, I, I I'm happy that we're not. I'm happy that someone who knows comics and, and is is imbued in the comic culture in DC's world and universe and has written some incredibly influential stories. Yeah, um, is now involved at like a top level. You yeah, know? I mean, yeah, for sure. He has a, he has a very uh, he has a golden touch yeah. for this kind of stuff. And again, yeah, I agree. Like, I never really understood, you know, like why. I mean. This is this might as well just be called the We Don't Like David Goyer podcast. Uh, but I don't understand why David Goyer was such a big part of the development of that universe, especially yeah. since he has said he doesn't really like this kind of stuff anyway. Yeah. Like He has said a lot of things like that just aren't uh respectful of like the comics industry or respectful of like those universes or those right. fans or those characters. Right. Then again, I loved what they set up in Dawn of Justice. True. So but hopefully this will just make everything better moving forward from this point. It won't, you know, it'll, it, 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 this can only elevate these stories and these movies. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with that. Right, right. Back into some game news, Chris. We're going to dive right in. Black Ops 1 is now backwards compatible on Xbox One. John, this is amazing. You know why? <laughs> why is this amazing, Chris? Because now we can go back and play Moon zombies i'm so excited well there's also like all of the zombies maps in black ops one like i yeah. really didn't do any of the easter eggs in them um because there's like a shangri-la oh yeah and you're like right. every single one built up to moon yeah. and like you take all of these like easter eggs that you did in all these and then you had to do all of them basically at the end in yeah. moon and like that's just incredible to i me. really hope that like um black ops 2 becomes backwards compatible soon oh my gosh uh, and i can't I don't know why they wouldn't make it backwards compatible at right. this point. You know, yeah. uh, there's also a um, a modern warfare collection that's going to come out for 360. Hmm. And I like it's not a remaster, but all they would have to do to to it's sell for more 360. Yes, let, let, let me tell you my theory. Okay. Yeah. It's coming out for 360. It's going to include modern warfare one, two, and three. It's going to be a collection. If they really wanted to sell more copies. They would make it backwards compatible. Yep. And then I would buy it yep. to play on my Xbox One. That makes a lot of sense. I would do it too. To be honest with you, like I would play through I would play through one and two and three. I mean, I'll play through all of those games again. Yeah. Um they yeah. don't have to remaster it. No, they just have to put it up there. Yep. Like that's another thing about backwards compatibility and about like the Xbox One. Like, why wouldn't you do that? So many people want these games to be backwards compatible and stuff. And and so why wouldn't you? make that game backwards right. compatible and, and I mean, like not make the other ones, which seems really shady, but it's shrewd business. You know, I would pay another 60 bucks to play all three of those games again on my Xbox one and they don't have to do a single thing. You know, they right. don't have to uh, remaster it, take the time and development cost to remaster. It. They can move on to their better and, and, and new stories maybe not better, but, but new <laughs> stories. Uh, uh, and, and it's like, it costs them less money to do that. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. So yeah. Other, news in the gaming world chris batman return to arkham collection has mm. been announced this is for xbox one and uh ps4 yes and it's a remaster of the batman series chris the batman arkham series so arkham knight as such Wait, no, sorry we are leaving out two of the four games this, this includes two games 
of the four. And so you have Batman, which obviously you wouldn't necessarily include the most recent one in there, but it includes Batman Arkham uh, Asylum. And it includes Batman Arkham City. And it's leaving out Arkham Origins um, from this uh, this thing, which is strange. Um, the game was not super well critically received. Uh, Origins wasn't. But it seems like the, I you would just like, I, w- I would just include it. You know, it's like it's part of this thing. I enjoyed that game. It was fun for what it was. Maybe it wasn't quite as on the level as uh, Arkham City. But still really fun. Um but yeah, so the fun fact about this, technically, Chris, is that these two games, they've uh, the, the port studio has taken them and moved them over to Unreal Engine 4, which even Arkham uh, Knight was not an Unreal Engine 4. That's still an Unreal Engine 3. So this is like a newer thing where it's going to have updated graphics and be running in Unreal Engine 4. So I'm excited to see what the differences are, man. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool. I'll play through both, through both those games again. Uh, actually, I never played through Arkham City, so I'll play through Arkham... Uh, Asylum again. I'll mm-hmm. play through City for the first time. I'm excited and, to see what you think. And I will. Uh, I think like so. I'm disappointed that it doesn't include Arkham Origins. It also doesn't include Arkham Origins Blackgate. Mm-hmm. Um, that was uh, originally a handheld game that was on 3DS and PS Vita, but eventually right. came to 360 and PS3. And uh, neither one of those were developed by Rocksteady, and that's the key ingredient here: is that Rocksteady is only putting out. Like they're only re- spending time to remaster their own games, which is kind of dumb in terms of, I guess, in terms of the trilogy that they made. It's it's okay, you know. Uh, again, it's just like why not just throw it in there? Like, yeah. you know, you would get. It's not like that's available anywhere else. Maybe they just don't want to spend the time and resources, or maybe they did some research and it wouldn't be a, a selling point for the collection or something like that. But right. it just seems like they're just like, well, let's just pretend it doesn't exist. Even if they threw, hey, let's include a, a code for the. 360 version of Arkham Origins and it's backwards compatible or something right. like that. Then again, let me lay this out there. Remember when we reviewed this? Yeah. And we talked about all the technical problems and crashes. It and was stuff like super that. broken off the bat. It was super broken from the beginning and then they patched it to where it was. It was working and and by the time I played it, I played it later. Yeah. Um, after they'd fixed all these issues with it. Um. And so, I mean, it was it was very broken at the beginning. Whenever we reviewed, was it, it stable? Whenever, like, is it stable now? Yeah, I mean, it was it was very stable. But similarly to, so thinking about the, these games, Arkham City is my favorite. Um, I haven't finished Arkham Knight, um, but gameplay wise, I like I understand what's going on. The only thing that I really haven't done is gotten everything and gone through all the story elements. Um, but which is the best part? But as far, yeah, of course. But like as far as like from a gameplay perspective of like what's going on, the yeah. mechanics, systems, Arkham City was is is in my mind above all of these others. And even at that point. Um, it's just there's a magic sauce there and something that they did differently with that game than, than they did with uh, even Arkham Knight. It's like, it's just something that's interesting. That's why I'm interested to have you play that game after having already played like Arkham Knight mm-hmm. um, and, and see what you think of both of these games together. Like It just it felt to me like a tighter uh, gameplay experience. Mm. And maybe it's just the part of it is there was less collectibles, less like you felt like you were just running around, less like it felt like villains were just thrown in for no reason or that sort of thing. Um, and, and more of a conjoined story where you had to kind of do these different elements and deal with all of these different villains in order to get to the finale. Um, but I don't know. It's like, I'm interested to see how that goes. I did think though that Arkham origins had a really cool tie in to Arkham city and Arkham, uh, asylum. Like it really was a cool, uh, look at like what 
with the past of Batman and, and the Joker and all of these other villains, it was a really good look at where they started. And it really, if I were looking at the, the storyline, it ramps right into uh, Arkham Asylum. And so it's like, I just don't understand why they wouldn't have put some of that in there. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. Again, dude. it has to do with Rocksteady not developing it. And of course. I, mean, I guess not even really writing that story. Like that right. wasn't their story that they wanted to tell. And maybe right. they're just ignoring it because they don't like it. You know, who knows, man? Maybe. Maybe. That's the news. We're doing things a little backwards this week. We are doing things a little bit backwards Normally this week. we do this part first. That's very true. News. But we're going to do it anyway. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Why don't you go first, Chris? All right. Sounds great. So my pick of the week this week, I saw a pre-screening of The Nice Guys starring uh, Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe, uh, written and directed by Shane Black. He is um, of Iron Man 3 fame. Nice. He directed Iron Man 3. He wrote and directed uh, Lethal Weapon back in the day, um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, this is a, uh, a story set in the 70s in L.A. It's a crime noir story. It reminded me a lot of L.A. noir. Cool. Now, let me say right off the bat, this was rated R. It's like, this is not for kids. Don't take your kids to see this. I'm not saying you could take them. I'm saying you but, shouldn't. But nice is in the title. Nope. They're okay. not very nice. Okay. Uh, but it's a great story in terms of, like, it, uh, for instance, along with the release of this movie, they have released a uh, hard, a true crime, not true crime, it's called Hard Case Crimes or something like that. Like, there's, a, there's still people, uh, a company out there that makes Pulp Fiction um, uh, soft cover books. Yeah. And they've released a version of the movie in that, like, looks like it has an old Pulp Pulp Fiction cover and that's all this cool. kind of stuff. Hard Case Crimes, I think, is the publisher, and uh, and so like that's really what this is. This is like this is telling this kind of like uh, it's like a buddy cop, although they're not cops, but buddy buddy movie. It's a comedy. It's you know like there's a lot of things that remind me of like uh, something like True Crime, you know, Hard Case, you know, Pulp Fiction kind of things. Reminds me a lot of Alien War Man, like yeah, down to you know the. the some of the things that happen, like the way that they happen, like the the conspiracies that exist here, just kind of like this is so cool. Yeah, um, and it's hilarious, w- really well acted, really well written. Like I honestly like in terms of like things about the movie that you know might pull down a score. Like I really can't think of a whole lot, man. Yeah. Um, you know it's rated R. It's rated R for a reason. But other than that, it's like this is a a, a hilarious movie. Um, and really, really well done. Like it, it look, it never drags. It looks and feels the way it should. That's cool. Um, the phenomenal actors. What's crazy is like Russell Crowe, I guess he put on some weight for a movie he did last year called, um, it was like some, some movie where he was like a, he was like a family guy. I can't remember, but he, uh, he put on some weight for that, but he put on like even more weight for this movie. Yeah. Like he's gotta be like 60 to 80 pounds too heavy. Hmm. Like, he doesn't look healthy, <laughs> but it's, I mean, it fits his character and stuff like that. So, uh, really, really fun time. The soundtrack I'm, uh, let me just read. I'm going to look up the soundtrack and I'm going to read, read some of the, uh, the songs on the soundtrack for you. I love it. The soundtrack, like 
they really do they do a good job of making this movie feel like the 70s you know in terms of the the the, the clothing the cars that they drive That's cool. even the look and the way that the movie's been colored and stuff like that and uh the the soundtrack is um indicative of that as well so we we uh back whenever we did days of future past there's a there's an element of that movie um, where they time travel back into uh, the, the 70s and that sort of thing. And it was done, like, okay. But everything I've seen from this movie is, like, they fully, like, they go, like, full on where it's like, man, you if you were to separate this from being the year that it is, like, yeah. you would think it was it was shot in the 70s. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, this does yeah. it way better. Uh, so it starts off, uh, the movie starts off right off the bat with Papa Rosa Rolling Stone by The Temptations. Oh, my gosh. That's <laughs> one of my favorites. And then we go, like, I'm gonna just going to hit some highlights from here. September by Earth, Wind, and, Wind and Fire. Oh, Love man. and Happiness. Al Green, ah. uh, Jive Talking by the Bee Gees, ah. Rock and Roll All Night by Kiss, uh, Lonely Boy by Andrew Gold, Horse with No Name by America, Green Peppers, Herb Alpert, and the Tijuana Brass. You know, so like, uh, like it's, it's a it's a phenomenal soundtrack. That's incredible. Like everything just like nails the look and vibe of this. And like, what's interesting is it has. Um, uh, this is kind of spoilery, so if you know, like, it's not super spoilery, but uh, this is a story about um, uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, and uh, Ryan Gosling has a about I think she's she's probably like a twelve year old girl or something like that, yeah. and she plays a large role in the movie. Cool, and she did an amazing job. Let me look up the uh, the actress's name who played her. Uh, I wasn't expecting that kind of aspect. That's cool, to the man. Movie. Her name was Engori Rice. Awesome. She did a great job. So whenever it comes out next week, or wait, no, maybe this weekend. What day is this? This is the probably comes 18th. Out this, it comes out this, this weekend. Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you get the chance, you want to go uh, see a, a nice, uh, really funny comedy, it's, it's coming out this weekend. That's awesome. That's awesome. So my pick this week, Chris, is also a movie. I didn't give it a rating. Oh, okay. Give it a rating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm going to give it a rating, I would say go see it. It's R-rated, but go see it if you are old enough for that. And I would give it a... Nine out of ten rating. That's awesome. That's a high rating, Chris. It is a high rating. I like it. I like it. So, my pick this week. Also a movie, not Actually, new. I'm going to take it back. Yeah? 9.5. Oh, my gosh. 9.5 out of 10. Oh, my gosh, Chris. That's that's really high. Yep. Man. I rethought it there for a second. That's really good. That's good. Yeah, some moment came to you, and you were like, oh, mm-hmm. that bumps it up. Yep. Um, I love it, dude. So, my movie this week is a uh, The Jungle Book. Mm. The... What, what people are calling the live action movie, um, but is basically all CGI um, <laughs> except for except for Mowgli. And if and if that gives you any idea of how good the graphics, the the CG is in this thing that people are calling it live action, it's great. It's mm. great. Um, yeah, they're really good, dude. I uh, I really enjoyed the movie. It, was, it came out a, a while back, so. Um, incredible cast on the thing. I was just impressed overall with like the voicing. Yeah. Um, I know early on, uh, John Favreau, who directed it, was saying that the one thing that he knew he had to get right with the movie, um, that he was like struggling with pretty early on or whatever, mm-hmm. was the mouths. Like he was like, we dedicated to like let's make the mouths move of these animals, but they're talking in you know not animal. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, so we had to really work to try to get those right to where uh, they would be just articulate enough, but not are so so articulate that they don't look like animals anymore mm. um which is really interesting and, and uh they definitely got it right um and there's only it's it's kind of hard on some animals but 
on all of them except for like one little moment where I was like, that, I don't know if that quite looks right. And it was uh, on one of the wolves at one point. I was just like, I'm not sure if that line specifically looked correct. But mm. uh, other than that, the movie, like I, I was in the world the whole entire time. It was uh, really well done. The changes that they made between the uh, original Disney classic and this movie were very cool. I very much enjoyed the the fact that they, they altered a few things to it. Um, and uh, yeah, there was... I was surprised about this, Chris. They still sang like there were there were there were songs in this. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't expect yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't expect it. I totally didn't. But then, like, whenever they kick into like bare necessities and stuff, wait, they're singing like, bare necessities. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. actual songs. Yeah, they sing the actual songs. Um, and yeah, whenever they kick into it, I was what? just like, this is awesome. Um, and it, like the way that they slide into them, this they is do still them, a musical. Um, not really. It's not really super musical. Um, but it's like it's like a movie where there are like three or four songs. Um, where they like sing a little bit and it's like the way they slide into them, like with the dialogue was very like, uh, we were halfway through the bare necessities before I realized that we're singing right now where that we're like into the bare necessities and stuff. Like it introduces it in a really cool way. Hmm. Um, and it it goes along with like kind of the experience, like Mowgli's experience with the story, like how, how it works. Like, um, so obviously, you know, if you don't want to know anything about the movie, you should obviously go see this movie. It's a great movie. I think that you should go see it. But um, in this realm, Baloo like whistles at one point whenever mm-hmm. he shows up mm-hmm. and he's whistling the bare necessities mm-hmm. and Mowgli asks him, he's like, oh, what is that? He's like, ah, oh, it's a, just a song, you know, and, and he's like, what's a song? And so Mowgli hadn't really experienced singing uh. or songs before. And so then the first, like the next moment you go into, you go into like see him floating down the river with riding on top of Baloo and, and they're singing bare necessities. That's and cool. It, super fun stuff. And uh, all, all of the, the actors did an incredible job. You have like Scarlett Johansson, you have Idris Elba, who seriously, as Shere Khan, was just incredibly terrifying and larger than life. And um, it was interesting. We were in a showing with some kids and I was like wondering, I was like, man, are these kids like this is a fairly intense movie. I'm not sure if the, the kids are old, but nobody really got scared or anything like that in it. That's good. Um, there are, are some very, very intense moments with Shere Khan specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was one uh, child who was, who was really young and just wasn't paying attention at all to the movie. Like, I mean, it, you know, it's what on, what was on screen was, was less interesting than what was happening. Like whatever, whatever they were doing, right. You know, yes. whatever the, uh, was happening, whatever the popcorn bucket is, doing, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it was, it's, it's kind of, you know, that side of things. I know that, that they, uh, John Favreau, intended with this movie for you to go see it and remember your love for the original mm-hmm. and to kind of enjoy the changes and things like that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I very much enjoyed the movie. Everybody should go see it. It was so good. Um, yeah. So if I were to give it a rating, Chris, mm-hmm. I would give this one a solid nine. So nice. it's, it's a, it's a very good movie. Go, uh, go see this movie, go check it out. And, uh, and rent it. I mean, it might be out on on Blu-ray uh, very soon. So if you if you skip it in theaters, definitely go see it. I think it's worth going see in theaters. I've also heard the 3D was very good. I did not go see it in 3D though because didn't go to the IMAX. And usually, whenever I go see things that aren't in IMAX, I, the sunglasses uh, element it feels like the the movies are very dim. That yeah. sort of thing. So what's weird is uh, I went to the IMAX yesterday to go see Civil War. Yeah. In IMAX. Yeah. We reviewed that on the podcast. Yeah. And they gave us different glasses than normal. That's right. They are like these gray tinted glasses. They normally give us 
yellow glasses that are clear. Well, they're sort of clear. They've got some polarization on them, but they're not really like as dim as you would normally expect from like right, if you're handed like the real three D or the uh, the true three D glasses that are in the packages. Those are very much like sunglasses. You these know? gray ones were more like sunglasses. Than <sighs> normal. It's disappointing, Chris. Yeah, and that's very disappointing. That's the one hangup I have about three D. I really like it nowadays. Yeah, but the one hangup I have is that if it makes the movie look dark, and this right. movie Jungle Book. A very kind of you're in the jungle. There's a lot, some night scenes. Yeah. There's lots of kind of um, dark elements to it anyway, yeah. and very uh, contrasting elements of of light and extreme dark and extreme light and extreme dark. Anyway, and so I just was like, man, I don't want to see this and feel like I'm I'm like having to peer through like a right. veil to watch this movie, you know? Right. So, um, but yeah, really good movie, dude. Go see it, everyone. What's hilarious? Whenever I, I was in the movie, there were there were points, um, th- like right off the bat, I was like, so what's real? In the, and it's like, it literally just is like Mowgli, the kid. He's the only like real, true like element that's in the movie. And I just found it amazing throughout the entire thing that, that, was, that that's possible and that it was as well acted as, as it was uh, for, for that type of thing. You know, it's like usually whenever there's uh, CG things and, and that sort of thing, it's it's... You, you don't lose yourself like this, but I totally like was in that world and, and would, uh, at the end of the movie, I was like, what? That's insane that the entire thing was basically CG that, that, uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson as, as Ka was not like in the room with him mm. when acting, you know, mm-hmm. in these moments. So anyway, uh, very cool. Very cool. All right. On to our main segment this week, we're just going to do a brief discussion about a comic artist who passed away. And it's Darwin Cook. Man. How so, old was he? 56. 53. Uh, I guess he had a, a bout with cancer and uh, passed away. He uh, drew, wrote and drew one of my favorite comics of all time, DC New Frontier. And uh, I just love his, love his artwork, man. Like um, some of his uh, top comics he did, a, he re- reimagined the spirit um, after Michael Eisner. Uh, he was the first person to do it after that. He, um, like the current version of Catwoman that we all know and love, like with the Catwoman suit, like the leather full body suit and stuff like that, that was his design. Like when he, he redesigned Catwoman, um, everyone just kind of kept that for the last 15 years. And um, he did New Frontier. He uh, most recently um, worked on some of the Before Watchmen stuff. That's right. With, uh, he did, uh, I think he wrote... Silk Spectre with Amanda Connor, and then he wrote and drew Minutemen. Yeah, and um, it's it's a it's a bummer, man. Like he was a great artist. I really really loved all of his stuff. Like if you haven't checked out or read anything by Darwin Cook, um, his just his art style is really unique. It really feels um, I'm gonna say retro, but that's not really a good word for it. I think classic. Like yeah. I always think of like classic, and and he uses a lot of like unique solid primary colors and and it just it always had this fresh perspective on it you know mm-hmm. there recently he has done some of the, like the flash variant covers and yeah. they've been like some of my favorite covers um and so he's just been even up until um recent years he's been putting out just incredible work um yeah, it's just it. I, the comics industry has lost an incredibly great uh, creator, incredibly great writer, and incredibly great artist. So so sad, man. Yeah, I really want to um, really want to pick up. There's a uh, 
um, I forget what they call it. It's a big, it's a large version of New Frontier. Mm. Um, that's right. One of the gigantic ones. It's yeah. like on the artist paper, like the uh, almost the size that they normally would have drawn it on. That sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And so you can you can pick those up. I really want to get that. Like he he was just uh, he was one of my favorite artists, man. Like we talk about all the time, you know, like Chris Eliopoulos or um, we talk about Royden Lepp and stuff like that. But like more than any of them, I I like Darwin Cook more, and um, it was it was kind of a. It was just so unique and and so classic and so simplistic in ways that it just felt really really good and uh, he will be missed um, both in terms of his his art you know but in terms of his storytelling mm-hmm. you know the New Frontier it it basically was a it was a Watchmen kind of type novel in that it reimagined how the world was reacting to um, the uh, DC Comics lineup after Cold, the Cold War. And, but it took more of a hopeful approach to it than Watchmen did. You know, yeah. Watchmen was very much like, well, you know, like we don't need these heroes and let's get rid of them and all that kind of stuff. This is very much like this is them finding their place and kind of walked the line. It did a lot of their origin stories again. You know, walked the line between the Silver Age of comics into the Golden Age, and uh, it was it's a really really great uh, look at where these characters and like who they are. Yeah. Um, who they are and how they should relate to the rest of the world. You know, like the, the ongoing comics, they do that, but they're telling stories that are very in the moment, you know what right. I mean? And very much like, you know, Batman's facing this villain right now. You know, right. it's not like asking the questions like, where do they fit into our world? And it did that and fit them in very, very well in a way that wasn't intrusive or a way that uh, it just wasn't a dark tone. It wasn't a pessim- pessimistic view of the world. And right. I love that. Like, you so know. many times I think the comics industry does slip into the the pessimistic kind of side of things where it's like, oh, does, you know, even with, you know, look at our, uh, our, our movies, you know, we have, uh, does the world need Superman or, mm-hmm. or does, you know, do these things, do these heroes matter or are they necessary or are they, you know, basically by doing something good, are they also doing something bad? And, yeah. and he kind of took this approach to where they were trying to find their own way um, in that comic. But it was in a it was in a hopeful and uh, and very optimistic point of view. Yeah. Um, and it's something that I feel like every person who has ever looked at comics should read the the Justice League New Frontier uh, series that Darwin Cook did. And, and man... It's just like that's must read, you know. That is yeah. that is just one of those things that if you like whether it's it's a comics thing or whether it's a, a movie thing, it, that is definitely should be on your list of like these are the the things that I have to do in order to call myself a a fan of these uh, these things. Um, I also think there was a uh, an adaptation of that series onto film. It's a movie, mm, yeah. um, and it's actually really good. It's a really it takes kind of his art style that sort of thing and uh, and tells the same story uh, but on film. So if you haven't checked that out, you should check that out as well. Um, but definitely definitely check out uh, that graphic novel specifically of Darwin's. That one has I would say. Of all of the the comics reading that I have, mm-hmm. that one is one of the most influential yeah. uh, graphic novels I've ever read. So, yeah. yeah, like there's you know things I think about whenever I'm like, okay, you know, novels, graphic novels that really made an impact. You know, it, it is Watchmen, and you know, I would say something like Kingdom Come, yeah, um, Batman Year One, yeah, Year One, and and Batman uh, Returns, yeah, Dark, Dark Knight Returns, Returns. Sorry, but then New Frontier, yeah, like fits fits in right there. Yeah, it's so good, man. 
All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We kept it underneath an hour this time, John. We did. And you are currently right now listening (laughs) to a big, gigantic song. So Playground Games, make it happen for Forza Horizon 3. Yes. Make it happen, people. It's so much fun. So we're, good. We were actually going to hopefully go see them in concert this this summer yeah. for your birthday. It's uh, like the day after my birthday. It's uh, they're playing, and hopefully we'll be making that trip and going to see them, rocking yes. out to some big gigantic. If we do, we'll let you know what it was like. Awesome. Well, that's it for this week. You can find us online at stayintargetpodcast.com, on Twitter at chrisright250. And John Wright 777 And at Pod. please go to your podcast service of choice, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you uh, can find us. Leave us a review, subscribe to us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. That's it for this week. We'll see you next time on Stay, Stay on, on Target. Target.